Hello, St. Matthews, United Methodist Church, and the rest of our community that is joining us online. I'm Pastor Kelly. And I'm Pastor Dave. And we have finally, I mean, joyfully and excitedly, and it's been like, did we just start this series? Like, I'm just kidding. I've been ragging on Dave this whole time. We are in the final episode of our Exodus, being the people of God, sermon series slash podcast. Um, And Dave preached a doozy Sunday. Renewal Covenant, Exodus 34, uh, 1 through 10. And before I give Dave the floor, I got to say that never thought I'd hear you say stiff-necked people from the pulpit. Um, (laughs) And that means necked, not necked. Um, You didn't say that. I didn't say that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Um, but uh, it's funny, like, we've, we've covered... Uh, a really large part of Exodus. We've had all summer to do it, sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And there's still so much we haven't touched on. That's right. Uh, like furniture. <laughs> hey, God's with us. Um, anyway, uh, so Renewal Covenant. I mean, there, uh, there, there were lamps in the tabernacle, too. Did you know that? <laughs> no way. No way. Oh, man. Nope, we're not going there today. Um Nah, but, but we, we so, could. Let's talk about that instead. You want to talk about that instead? Actually, I'm not ready. But. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could. We could. Yeah, there were I, I'm down. Yeah. I love how y'all who are watching us or listening to us are like, what are they doing? I'm like, <laughs> I never know. <laughs> not until I sit here. Like, I mean, this is just pretending like I have notes. Like, I don't know. I'm just kidding. I do have notes. Um, but Renewal Covenant, uh, Exodus 34, 1 through 10. Uh, and there were stiff necked, necked. Next, I'm never going to say that word right again. Um, that's just one of the verses. But why don't you walk us through a little bit of what you preached on and context? <laughs> context. So, uh, so the I mean the context of where where the people are right now is that um, uh, we're after the golden calf kind of kind of scene, and uh, in, in the kind of story of the golden calf, Moses gets really upset. Um. Gets really mad, throws the you know throws the the you know the tablets, uh, they break, uh, so they're gone. Uh, but God rewrites them, you know. So this is the part point where uh, God has re- redone the tablets, uh, and Moses has come back down with the new tablets and is kind of talking to the people. Right. Hey, can we park there for a sec? Sure. So I don't know about y'all, but me. I uh, always wondered, like, so we know Moses has a temper. This isn't the first time he's broken something or hit something that God gave him. But, uh, well, maybe this is the first time, right? Because then he hits the staff later. Like, he smashes a staff on a rock because he's, he's ticked off, right? Yeah, yeah, he does that later. Anyway, um, but, like, I'm like, so God gave you tablets with the law on them. And you broke them on purpose because you were mad. Like the the first thought there, he said the people don't deserve them. Yeah, but I'm but I'm like I'm also like. So when you go back and ask for more, like how does that go? Like, hey God, uh, like God doesn't know. You you know what I mean, though, right? Like, I mean, Moses is this isn't Moses is not like reached the place I think where he's super comfortable with God yet. Like God is still God, right? And I'm like. So did you like break them 
And then when you go back, be like, hey, uh, can, can I get some more of those? Can, can we can we do this again? Like, I always wondered what is kind of going through his head. Yeah, he's he's mad at the people and, and he thinks they don't deserve them. But I'm also like, so you took it upon yourself to break the thing that God gave you? Let's see how that goes. Uh, I always think of my my growing up where I got caught doing something I wasn't supposed to do. And, or I did something out of like anger and then immediately regretted it after the fact. I was like, uh-oh, that was probably not the right choice. <laughs> but yeah, not like the right choice. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. But he, he just straight up smashes him. He does. <laughs> oh, boom. <laughs> well, and then the passage, uh, he has to cut the, he has to cut the new tablets. Moses in the, in the story, like chisels out the new tablets and, I don't know if that's if he did that for the first set or not, but he did he did for this set. Yeah, there's no mention in the first set, right, of if they just were given or handed or appeared, right? It, it kind of the way this this passage is written, um, it makes it sound like he wrote he did the same thing for the first set too, but it's right. just not real clear. It's not real clear. Yeah, that's even worse. Got to cut them out and be like, uh oh. <laughs> We gotta cut him again. I gotta cut to him again. And that's like write this down. I'm like, all right, <laughs> you got it. Um, yeah, I, I just that that interaction for me is just really, really funny. Mm-hmm. Like, man, like what is going through your head after you break those? Going, oh no, <laughs> that was that was a bad choice. <laughs> uh, yeah. So renewal covenant. Uh, yeah. uh, he is. They are they are just fresh out of like I left you guys for ten minutes. What happened? Uh-huh. Uh, and they're you know they're messing up bad. Uh, Moses breaks the tablets, and then we're into Moses goes to get new ones. Moses goes to get new ones, bring those back, and then he, in this passage, uh, I forget I th- maybe verse ten, um, talks about the character of God. You know. Mm. Um, you know, he asks, he tells God, you know, please forgive, um, the stiff necked people, you know, we're stubborn, we're prideful, we're, we mess up, we screw up, we're, we're not perfect. But then he turns and says, but God, you are, you're mm-hmm. slow to anger. You're abounding in steadfast love. You, you, you know, you bless, uh, for 10,000 generations, um, those who, who respect and honor you. Uh, so he really paints a beautiful picture of who God is. Mm-hmm. And in this passage, it's God renewing the covenant with an imperfect people, mm-hmm. um, which is, for me, that's a powerful moment uh, right. in the in the book of Exodus where, where you know, the, the God has worked the wonders that God has worked, you know, the Red Sea, mm-hmm. the plagues, the, uh, you know, just everything, the water from the rock, the manna from sky, the burning bush, all of these marvelous things that God has done that the people have seen and experienced firsthand mm-hmm. and the people still turn away mm-hmm. and still complain and still whine and still worship the golden calf. Right. Um, and God f- forgives. Right. All of that. And still wants to be in covenant with this people, still wants to be um, connected to this people and, and have the people connected to God. Um and so that's kind of the gist of the passage that we read, was that with all of the all of the things the people had seen, they should have known better, mm-hmm. they should have done better, um, you know, all of those should haves, uh, but they didn't, 
Mm-hmm. And God continues to want to be connected to them. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love, like you said, that imagery. And and it's funny when I was uh, rewatching the sermon and, and writing notes down and stuff, I, you know, it's a quick side note or trail, if you will, we'll follow this, this bus, Dave, uh, is, you know, oftentimes when I'm in conversations with people who are either, you know, uninitiated or, um, I don't want to say have limited understanding, but their understanding of Scripture or of God or of religion, right, is very much shaped by Old Testament God is a very angry God. Uh, and this is a story that has, like, or this book in the Scriptures, right, has every part of that facet as well. Like, you know, oh, it's the wonders of God. It's the plagues. And I'm like, it depends on what side you're on. <laughs> like, like yep. one of the sides, it's like, yep, yep. this is awful. Um mm-hmm. But um, but then then you know we see this intimate moment with Moses and God where um, God has done all of this stuff um, out of love for the people to protect them and to take care of them and to be with them and uh, it's not their first opportunity to like disobey and and whatever but like they intentionally knowing better right ish. Right, we could we could argue the semantics of like did they know they weren't supposed to make graven idols and you know I'm of the opinion that like they're told to wait and that's where they disobey whether they knew or not to like make the idols or whatever that's not the point of this the point of this is that like God has done all this miraculous cool wonderful stuff and has been with them and they need to wait for a second while Moses and God convene and go okay here's the next thing we're going to do. Uh, and they, they literally just evolve into like what they were before pretty quickly. And so, um, uh, but in that, right, like they have not done something or uh, at this point anything to merit or to deserve or to warrant that type of response from God. And I love that this is in this where it is critically important that God is... Like Moses is talking about God this way, and God is affirming that, going, "No, I am this." Mm-hmm. Um, and so for us, uh, you know, it's a for me, it's not permission to you know make golden calves and to do things, um, but it is an encouragement that um, in my you know quote unquote sin or iniquity or my struggle, that God's posture towards me is one of love and of steadfastness and wanting to be with mm-hmm. me. And God doesn't quit on that end. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, you know, not to compare listeners, watchers, uh, and Dave, right? Like, you know, I've never done that. <laughs> like, like, and there's parts of scripture, right, where we read and it's like, you know, I've done some pretty terrible things in my life, but I've not like done that, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, like, God's not going to quit there. There's no way God's going to quit over here, right? Yeah. Like, and so it's it's an encouragement. And so I, but again, like I love this where there has been utter devastation and destruction and consequence, like right before this moment. And God is again not telling people, if you do it again, I'm going to do that again. It's I love you, mm-hmm. and I'm with you, and I want mm-hmm. to be with you, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and I, to your point, I think that that's beautiful. Well, and this is this is kind of a pivotal point in the in the book of Exodus, and maybe in Scripture. Uh, 
kind of to this point, God has been described as the God of Abraham and Isaac and mm-hmm. Jacob, the God of the ancestors. And it's almost like in this moment, God becomes their God. Not just, you know, their ancestors' God, but for them. Mm-hmm. God is wrapping arms around around this people, not their ancestors, but this set of people. Right. Uh, and then all of their descendants that will come. Um, so there's a there's a uh, several kind of things in the book talk about how God moves from being distant or living on the mountain to to being with the people, you know, mm-hmm. in the tabernacle when they go. God's presence moves. God shifts from being a distant kind of mm-hmm. God to one who's being omnipresent, right? You know, always with the people, and the people yeah. begin to understand that in a new way. I think. Right, and so that's a significant part of Exodus as well, and yeah. and really applying that to our lives isn't that kind of the aha moment <laughs> that we all look for as Christians is the moment where you know we see God as you know whatever culture is describing God, mm-hmm. God as at the time until that movement happens you know in our life and however that that plays out right um, you know where God moves from being impersonal. A God who's over there or talked about in this way or that way to a God who loves. Right. And not just loves in general, but loves specifically yep. me in the midst of all of the stuff that I've done. Right. 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 Yeah. And I think there's a, uh, that context, right. So I loved how you put that is, you know, there's culture and, and, you know, just for me to flesh out a little bit, like I, Dave's not saying like the outside the church culture. I mean, like, you know, uh, I love the backdrop of this. I want to capitalize on this. So in Exodus, right, like we're talking about a people group, right, who had inherited a culture. Mm-hmm. Like this is what they knew. This is how they knew God acted. This is mm-hmm. who they knew God was because of, you know, their their lives. This is how they understood it. And so now they're in the wilderness, and and God has done all this wonderful stuff, and God is with them and teaching them because God had never, quote-unquote, totally abandoned them. Um, but like... But it, there's an opportunity here to like do a new thing or something that's different to what they understood or what they knew before. Mm-hmm. And they still like kind of revert. And I love um, how, you know, we're talking about it in even our own lives of, you know, God doesn't quit. Um, you know, not to get too far off the this passage, but I've, uh, in my own journey of faith, right, like, when I've always felt like God loves me and it's the most real is when God is willing to love me and build trust with me because God shows up when I don't. And, and not to be this person, but I've always felt like, and this was like my own, you know, spiritual culture that I inherited. It was like, we were very focused on deservedness. And I always feel like that's now, I feel like that's very much the wrong question because God kind of addresses that at times, but God's like bulldozes right through that and goes, I'm here anyway. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's the point. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but like when I kind of become aware of like, Oh, I don't deserve this or I didn't do anything to merit it or earn it. And you showed up anyway, there's a trust in that relationship that gets built where I'm like, Oh, you're not going to leave when you see the bad stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you stay. Mm-hmm. And you know, this is, this part we're picking up on right after the golden calf. It's like, oh, it's bad, bad. Like, like the, you, you, you did the bad, bad. You did, you did the no, no, right? Like, and and God is like, no, I love you, and I'm here. Mm-hmm. 
And to your point, like, so as the believers, the Christians in our in our day to day now, and let's kind of move into this part of the conversation because I want to hear what you have to say on this. Is, um, you know, I'm not saying go test God. That's not what I'm saying. Um, but I do love how God kind of just shows up and continues to show up and goes, mm-hmm. all right, when you're ready, I'm here. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I ain't leaving. Then I'm like, I'm going to make you leave. And God's <laughs> like, good luck. And God's like, good luck. And, and, and then God doesn't. And then if anything, like, as I like, you kind of go through that phase of life where God like gets closer and closer. You're like, this is weird. Like why? Like nowhere else in our lives does this happen. Right. And, and we, as people can try to love each other as the best we can, but nobody stays and endures and loves like God does. And so, right, like, and you're like, oh, you're not going to leave. Mm-hmm. What do I do with that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think whenever we, you know, within our society and building out systems and all of mm-hmm. those kind of things that are yeah. in place, uh, I think what we do often is we build in conditional kind of, love if you will sure um and then we try to call that a holier in god's will but if we're really trying to follow god's example we'll figure out ways to break down those barriers that we can love freely like god does mm-hmm. um you know the example i used in in the sermon was um uh, take jesus and santa <laughs> he's my, looking at me because i daughter, always get on him for this <laughs> my daughter one time you know, told me, you know, Dad, I, I love Jesus more than Santa. Or Jesus oh, Jesus is better uh, than Santa. And you I did said, it oh, right. <laughs> okay, so tell me more. And she says, well, Jesus loves you whether you're naughty or nice. You know, Santa is, is has conditional love, right? In the way that we've we've painted Santa. Right. Um, and that's, that's the example. Uh, you know, can we love even those people that don't follow the rules? Mm-hmm. Can we show compassion even to those people who are hard to love? Right. Um, when we find ourselves doing that and not trying to get out of, you know, dealing with those difficult situations. Right. Then we're kind of working in the way that God works. Right. Um, and so that's that's also something I hope that, that our, the hearers will take from this is that, you know, l- loving the people that are easy to love is not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Loving the people that are hard to love is God's way of love. Yeah. Yeah. And and as that kind of plays out in our lives, right, is, you know, I'm I'm a sports guy and a video game. I'm a nerd sports guy. But, you know, growing up playing sports, right? Like, so you would you would put your body through heck to train and to be prepared so that when the situation in a in an event or a game would happen. Like I didn't have to like I was prepared to do it right, and so to your point, right? Like loving people who are easy to love is also from God, right? I, I think the opportunities I have when like there's hurt or there's pain and I'm suffering, and instead of re like paying back, or um, you know, like visiting, right, right, visiting it back or or uh, paying back what I what I'm owed, like those types of things, right, are those opportunities where we practice this and we study this stuff and we live this stuff out and we, we do these things in community um, because the, the, not the product, but the, 
we were created to love and to live this way. And so when we don't love and live this way, we suffer, mm-hmm. right? When we keep score, we hold on to pain and, and it, and it changes how we are. And, you know, uh, listeners and watchers, like, you know, I, I'll always have to add this caveat to this, um, because, you know, not all pain is the same, not all suffering is the same. And there are things that people can go through, right. That can leave like a permanence or, or something that is, that is more like, oh, you're going to carry that forever. Right. Um, and, and so what we're not saying is, you know, that you, um, you know, open yourself up to harm where maybe there's a new, like there's a boundary or there's, there's treatment you need to go through or there's, there's, that that's not what we're saying, but the freedom that comes with being loved by God in totality and seeing other people as loved by God in totality, I think gives us access to something that is beyond just ourselves, mm-hmm. where there's a freedom there and there's a joy there and there's a fulfillment there where it's like, it's phrases that I think Christians use and sometimes maybe we don't fully understand what we're saying. It's like, that's not between me and you, that's between you and God. And so when you can do that, it doesn't mean people are free of consequence, but I'm not here to keep score of that, mm-hmm. right? And and uh, like what Dave's saying is, that's really hard to do because that's what we've learned, it's what we're taught, it's how things that are not of God are governed and set up. Mm-hmm. So you're not only going against... Um, because somebody I'm very close to works in behavior. And I'm like looking at the Hebrew people here, the Israelites, and going, oh, that's behavior. Like that's like you, you're having an extinction event because you're reverting back to something you know. And God's called you something new. And you're like, nah, we're gonna, we're gonna fight this until it's really bad. Uh but anyway, all that to say, like, I love the point you make, which is like in our own lives currently, right? Where when God's like, hey, I want you to love people the way that I love you, right? It's then that you unlock, you you move into this other place where it's like, oh, that's what I was created to be and who I was created to be. Yeah, so when you're living in the way, you know, you said, and you're keeping score of hurts and of wrongs right. and whatever, and if you're living in that way and you think that's the norm, right? you think that's the correct way to live or the correct way to, to work with people and be in a relationship with people, um, you know, Jesus can come along and tell you there's a whole nother way. And in the, in the Jesus way, you find peace mm-hmm. in a way that can't happen when you're keeping score and when you're, you're, you know, living without that peace in your life. And to the point where it feels normal, once the peace breaks in, you yearn for that. Right. You know, and this is the way of Christ and this is the way of, of grace and this is the way of peace. Mm. Uh, that breaks in and changes lives and changes communities, families, and changes the world ultimately. Right, mm. right. Well, and, and to that point, right, like if, you know, I, I think you kind of touched on this last week when we were chatting, but, you know, the people have different uh, interpretations or perspectives on, like, what sin is. And I'm the guy who, like, whether this is totally correct or not, Dave will tell me. Um, you know, I, I I liken it a lot unto self-reliance, right? So it's like, I think I know best and I can do it. I don't need God. I can I can figure it out. 
And so when we keep, when I keep score, I'll just say me, right? So when I keep score, I live a life where I'm trying to protect myself from everything else that could harm me. Mm-hmm. That's not me depending on God and living mm-hmm. into God. And, and that's me doing me. And spoiler alert, not to wish or to speak it over you that like you would suffer and be in pain or think bad things would happen to you. But like, that's life. We are going to go through things that are difficult and harmful. The other thing to like to bring it back to what we're talking about here is like there's probably people in that crowd that had nothing to do with what they were doing and they still suffered some consequences. Now, I don't know. Maybe the scripture said that like everybody was doing things, but like the kids weren't. <laughs> the kids. Uh, are... Actually, the scripture says the Levites, that tribe didn't. Right. So, so, and there's still consequences for everybody involved. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. sometimes like, it's not even because Mm -hmm. you did anything. It's just somebody else did something. Mm -hmm. And so, but if we, if I go through my life going, okay, how do I like not get as hurt like I did before? Or how do I like, you know, not, um, I, I liken it more into this is like, if I don't live the way that God called me to be, because I'm, because other things have like robbed me of that joy, um, you know, at the real personal level, right? It's like, you know, we're meant to be a lamp on a hill. Like, how cracked is my bulb? Like, what have you been through? What have I been through? What have you been through? Right? Where like I've taken some hits, and I go, I'm gonna protect that side of me, so the mm-hmm. bolt, like I'm not as bright as I would have been mm-hmm. before, because I'm choosing to not live. Mm-hmm. That way, and I think God comes in and goes, no, 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 shine, baby, shine, like, 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 great. Uh, to the like, back to this, where you know He calls Moses up and goes, no, I'm a God of love, mm-hmm. and I love you, and I want to be with you, and I'm going to be not just love, but steadfast love, steadfast love, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so we, I think, on our end, right, we get to decide because God lets us have agency. Where we get to choose um, what part of the journey we want to be on and, and how we want to, where we want to kind of go. Right. And like I said before, and then God does this really weird thing that I don't understand, which is God's like, all right, I'll earn your trust. And I'm like, but you're God. Like, you don't owe me anything. And God's like, yeah, let's walk. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think, um, I'd like to uh, kind of wrap, move us into this other part of the conversation. So um, we talked about golden calf, right? We talked about like what just happened. We talked about what's currently happening in this part of Exodus. Uh, we've talked about taking your lumps and still persevering and, and living. We talked about God's steadfast love. Um, uh, not to, so y'all, this isn't like take what Dave says or I say and like, just immediately apply it to your life and go, well, it worked for Dave and Kelly, so it should work for me. That's not what we're saying here. So just quick, quick preface here. Um, but as somebody who's been a believer for, you know, a little bit, <laughs> uh, uh, and me who's, you know, younger uh, <laughs> and been, been at it for not as long, um, how do you... Uh, what are some things that have really helped you be focused on that God is intentional and God is with you in your journey? Um, 
Oh, there's several things. Yeah. The, the, you know, constantly being uh, in prayer, having some kind of prayer routine right? Uh, to where you're communicating with God. Um, one thing that we talked about in the message yesterday, another thing that's good to, to do is to um, kind of, you know, we, we say count your blessings sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, recount in, and I think maybe that says, remember the ways that God has worked to this point in your life. Mm. Um, so in the message I had to kind of open the floor for people to talk about all the different ways that they've seen God work here at the church within this congregation over the years that, that folks have been part of here, uh, right. part of the, the community here. And they brought up all kind of wonderful things that, that is no doubt God has worked, um, uh, these, these miracles, this, the, these wonders, uh, in this congregation. Right. And that can be done for a lifetime too, you know, however long, uh, that is. Mm-hmm. And by recognizing when God was present in, for me in the past or for this congregation or this community in the past, it's can reassure you in the future that God's going to continue to work. Hmm. Uh, just going back and saying, well, God did that. God did that. God did this other thing. Um, God has worked in, in, in my presence, you know, in a similar way that God worked in the presence of the, of the, uh, Israelites, mm-hmm. um, I can be assured that God's going to continue to work and God's presence will continue to go with me. Right. Um, so just that, that simple, you know, exercise of, of counting the blessings, uh, recognizing when God has been present, uh, can give you that history to know that God will continue to be present. with you. Yeah, that's, that's solid. I think for me on, on that point too, it's, it's always been, um, you know, uh, and everybody, by the way, your journey is always different than somebody else too. So like I, I find myself, my lens and oftentimes when I see how God has worked in my life is normally through like a, a place of, of pain or like something I suffered. Right. Um, which sounds super depressing and it's not, but, <laughs> um, you know, for me, it's like, Oh God, you didn't quit on me then. And despite what was going on in my life, you, not only were you there the whole time, like you really like helped me. And so it, it, I like to remember because if I'm going through something or I am struggling, you know, it, it's doing that kind of inventory of understanding like, oh, like this isn't about my own effort. This isn't about my own self-reliance and what I can and can't do. This is about like, God, like you're here now anyway, because you want. And the other thing I always add is like, God wants to be. Mm-hmm. And that's a thing that like, uh, I can remember a worship guy, I think it was like John Mark McMillan when he wrote how he loves us. And he was like, but I love a cheeseburger. And then he went into this whole semantic thing about like, we just throw the word love around. And, uh, and so for me, it's like, God not only loves me, God likes me, right? Like God, God wants to be around me. And those phrases and those types of things for me have always held like such weight and power because, um, my experience is like I've been in situations where that the people I was with or my own self, right, like was the opposite of that. And God's like, nah, I'm here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as you're doing that inventory, right, if, you, if that's something that works for you listeners or watchers, um, you know, I, I feel like it's a deeply personal thing too. Um, and, uh, and then I'll just add this too. Uh, something that I need to get better at is, 
uh, often I do inventory when I'm in crisis, not before I'm in crisis. So like, yeah, it's a great practice. To like kind of Santa. Work in. Uh- <laughs> it's a great practice to work in. And, and let me, let me say that it's while it's personal, it can be corporate too. Mm-hmm. So it can be the community that you're a part of. Right. You know, it's us. We're in this. Right. We form this community. God is working in our midst. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't say that God doesn't work on a personal basis. Right. But, uh, but God works on that communal basis as well. Right. Right. And this is why we, we always harp on um, encouraging people to be plugged into community as mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. is because, you know, there's... Man, like I can't tell you how many times I've been in a season of life where I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I needed somebody to like literally carry me to, to the finish line, right? Like through the thing I was going through, and like I needed somebody else to pick me up, and people did. And then the other thing I think that's really important too is like we're talking about seeing God at work in our midst. Is if I'm literally just alone looking for God to be at work in my midst. I have a very narrow view. It doesn't mean God won't show up and do things, you know, but what's it like to be in a community where like you've prayed for someone and then like that thing happened and then they share that with you and you're like, oh, I had a part in that, you know? And so that's part of the strength of community. It's not just that people can help you. It's that you have gifts and graces and you are unique to your person and you have things to share with a group of people that only you can bring and only they can bring. And so when you live in a community, um, then you get to see like, uh, what's the really terrible analogy. It's like the mosaic, right. With the different pieces of, of tile. And so when you step back from that, it's like, Oh, we've got a better picture here. Um, I can't get the full expression or experience of living with God and being with God if I'm doing it alone. Um, and so, you know, that, that would be the other thing I would add is, um, you know, when you're in community and you're praying for other people, then you also get to see God at work. Mm-hmm. You get to use your gifts to bless somebody else and they get to use their gifts to bless you. And it's, it's a much cooler, fulfilling picture. I think of more complete, right? Right. It's like, oh, this is how this is supposed to be. Like, right? Um, yes, yes. You know, so, and, and you know, those of you who are watching or listening, right, who maybe were in a community where you really, like, had a lot of trust and it was good, or you were in a community where maybe that community created problems for you where it was it's really hard to open up and trust another community of people, hit us up. <laughs> we would love to be in community with you. Um, uh but also know that like what we're saying, we also say in the context of knowing that like that's not an, always an easy thing for everybody. Sometimes you got to overcome some things and work through, through some things. And, you know, trusting a little bit goes a long way, too. No doubt. So, um, yeah. So last one. Any, any final thoughts, Dave, as we wrap up our Being the People of God series? Well, you know... Learning to be the people of God is is not something that just comes natural. I hope we we mm-hmm. understand that from um, from this from this exercise or this series is that the people um, they had to go through the wilderness. It wasn't just everything was handed to them uh, every step of the way. God cared for them every step of the way. God never left them. God guided them. God kind of drug them out into the wilderness to begin with. 
but this um, prepared them, mm-hmm. taught them how to lean on God and how to how to walk with God and how to how to have um, you know God's presence in their lives every day. So uh, I hope um, that we all kind of are always on that that journey of learning to be the people of God. Uh, it's not one of those things that one day we get there and say, oh, I've got it all figured out. <laughs> this right. is how you do it. But it's a journey um, that I think we're all on. And I think Exodus is a wonderful book to to kind of illustrate that journey um, for the for the people of God in in Israel and, you know, the people of God that continue today. Um, so that's that's my hope in this sermon series is that we've been able to kind of flesh out um, what it means to be to, to the people of God, what it means to learn uh, the the things that we have to learn, uh, things we have to learn about God, um, in in order to kind of be on this journey together. Well put, Dave. I'm Pastor Kelly, and I'm Pastor Dave, and we will catch you on our next series, which we're not going to name right now because I don't know what it is. I should, though. Anyway, (laughs) it's great having you with us this (laughs) week. We'll catch you on the next one.